Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Hi, with me today is Dr. Tommy Shavers. He is a speaker, an author, a minister, and teacher, to name a few of his accomplishments. He is the president of Unis Solutions, which is focused on promoting teamwork as a way to make a difference. Tommy is also president of Tommy Speak LLC, which is a speaking and consulting company focusing on leadership and teamwork. He is the lead consultant for Atlas Group Advisors, where he consults with high-profile clients. He is a member of Neuro Leadership Institute and a contributor to Linked to Leadership, which is one of the nation's top leadership blogs. He is a former athlete, teacher, coach, and college professor. He has a bachelor's degree in organizational communication, a master's in interpersonal communication, and biblical studies. He has a doctorate of management in organizational leadership. He is the creator of power tolerance theory. These are all things that he's going to be sharing with us today. There is a long list here, and I'm excited about it. He is also the author of The Next CEO, A Leadership Parable. He is author of None of the Above, Powers and Pitfalls of Worship, and the author of Life in the Trenches, The Joys and Challenges of Christians in Sports. Welcome, Dr. Tommy Shavers. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, that, That made me tired. I didn't. I didn't even put it all in there. <laughs> I had to shave it down. <laughs> you have done a lot of accomplishments. We're going to cover as much as possible today, and also what you want to share as an encouragement to listeners, because this is what it's all about: people who have become successful and who have overcome so much. Um, this is what we want to hear your story. So let's start with your youth. And what you experienced if you had trauma in your life, just share whatever you would like about your youth. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, one growing up in a, um, I grew up in a, diff- in a difficult area, um, uh, a poor, underprivileged area, um, community in South Florida. Um, in fact, uh, during my middle school years, uh, my area was the number one most dangerous place in the state of Florida. Uh, we averaged around four homicides a week. 
Um, and so that kind of puts in perspective um, just kind of the overall in, in environment, if you will. Um, but uh, but in that, there were some great, great people. And I'll talk about that, you know, as well. But, um, you know, it's interesting. The 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 major thing that I dealt with um, was having to uh, overcome uh, some of the the uh, mental and emotional traumas, you know, and, and often people don't realize that uh, these things, they, they initially they seem kind of situational, if you will. Um, but in, in reality, they're they're compounding kind of internally to shape a young person's perspective, character and outlook, you know, on life. Right. And, right. Um, and, and so, you know, for me er- early on, it, it what what was supposed to be a positive thing turned out to be a, re- a really challenging issue for me. And uh, I was in second grade and um, uh, I was uh, tested for gifted back then. They would test you as early as second grade for, you know, being a gifted student. And, um, they even took me out of a, a, a second grade movie to, to test me. You don't take a second grader out of a movie, you know? Um, and so uh, so they found that I was this gifted student, but because my school, um, being the school that it was, uh, didn't have the capacity to have a gifted program, I had to be shipped uh, over to a a different school, which is really a predominantly um, uh, white school, if you will, um, that had a gifted program as a second grader. And uh, and so I enter into this this class and I'm literally the only African-American in this gifted class uh, that, out of place. Did that yeah. scare you immediately? Like, was there was there a fear involved or or what kind of emotion were you going through? Uh, there was a there was huge fear. And in fact, um, I, I think initially I didn't really know what to expect. But the initial experience um created so much fear. I'm a pretty brave kid. I was a tough kid growing up. And, uh, but, you know, I can remember, um, you know, Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, I attended uh, my normal school and Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would have to go to my gifted program. Huh. And every at the end of every Monday, I began to cry. Really? Uh, at the end of every Wednesday, I began to cry uh, because I was I, I so hated what I had to go into. Um, and the reason it was, was because I left this environment as, as, as difficult as my community it was, it still was a community. You know, I was a second grader. All my friends were there, the, the teachers I knew. And then I got, you know, just displaced into this this environment that I had no reference point with. Um, and and it was something I'd never experienced before. It was a highly competitive environment. Um, being the only African-American in there, I'll never forget my first day there. Uh, we had a math test and I ended up being the the last student out of the class to finish. Um, but turns out I got the highest score on the test. And in most environments, people would celebrate that. Uh. Um, I became the hated kid. Right. Uh, and I didn't even understand what that was about. Um, and so 
I would sit in class and no one would really associate with me. Um, Did you make any friends at all? uh, There was one one kid who who played uh, football in the way I, you know, was a was a kind of an athletic kid that uh, became a friend. But he eventually moved on. And so he was gone. But after that, no. And and the part that was really difficult for me was um, in the classroom. well, in fact, anywhere outside of recess, uh, I was treated as an outsider. Um, kids wouldn't talk to me. Uh, they would sit away from me. Um, and it, in fact, in one going into the, the you know, lunchtime one day, uh, one kid was just he was just frustrated, I guess, and began to kind of, you know, pick on me. And I was just trying not to get in trouble. I wasn't the kid that was scared of anybody or afraid of anybody. I was trying not to get in trouble. Mm. Um, and the kid was, was upset from recess. And it's very, it it was very weird experience. I I wrote about this uh, when I started talking about profiling that when I got out to recess, it was almost, I was the king of the world because I was the most athletic, (laughs) the fastest, and it was like a different world. Everybody came and they talked to me and they wanted me on their teams. And and it was just, it was literally in in my mind, even as a second grader, I thought, you know, I can I can be um, maybe I can be so awesome at recess that they can't help but. Be my friend, you know, once we get back into the classroom. And it was almost as if as soon as the 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 bell rang to leave recess. It was almost like the, the, the potion was wearing off, <laughs> you know, that's incredible. Uh, yes. Must have been so difficult for you. A little was, guy. It, yes. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was, it was so, um, it was such an unstable deal. Like by the time we got back in line to go back to class, no one was talking to me again. Hmm. Um, what know, do you think they were afraid of? You know, I don't I don't know if there was an issue of them being afraid. I think it was a combination of things. I think one, the hyper competitive environment that was being created um, at a very young age. And two, um, I just I, I wasn't one of them. Um and I'm not sure how many of them had been around a diverse deal or a lot of minorities. Um, in fact, after one recess, uh, you know, one of the kids um, out of frustration, you know, uh, called me a derogatory, called me an in, you know, the N word, right. if you will. Um, and that was my first experience with that. Um, and I didn't really know what I was dealing with, you know. Well, you, you um, came from an environment that that probably wasn't something that you would have normally run into, right? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And so, so, you know, so what what I realized was, you know, outside of recess, I, I wasn't. And and again, I think there's a lot of this stuff was just learned behavior. You know, it's 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 what what you see at home. You know, it's it's what you deal with in your environment. You know. Um, but it was just it was surprising to me uh, that at such a young age, you know, um, that 
just just a few miles down, there was a totally different world uh, that that I experienced. And it, it got so bad to where um, I hated I, I just hated going. I didn't want to go anymore. Um, and I finally told my second grade teacher why. Um, and she was a, a, a Caucasian woman, Miss Lewis, great woman. And uh, I, I remember her literally snatching me out of the classroom, going out the back door into her car. Uh, you couldn't do that today. You'd be. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Put me in her car and we beelined it to the school. And, you know, I remember her asking me what did they say to you again? And, and, and I'm like, I, I, I hope I'm remembering this right. You know, uh, I think this is what was said. But I mean, she was so hurt and so furious that she took me literally to this school, sat me in the office. She went straight into the principal's office. And all I heard was just screaming and shouting, you know, and she was pretty clear that I bet not ever had experienced that again, or they were going to have the answer to her. Um, and she came out of the office and you can tell there was anger and tears. Um, and, you know, I was almost thinking I had did something wrong, you know? <laughs> so, um, but I'll never forget how she just, she, she was, she made it very clear. This was wrong. This should never happen to you. You know, I'm so sorry you you, you had to go through this. Um, and what what it ended up doing to me that I didn't realize at the time was. I associated the negativity with my intelligence. And so what I reasoned as a young kid. Um, was that. If if no one knew how intelligent I was, then. I could avoid some of these negative influences um, or, or repercussions. In fact, when I decided I wouldn't wouldn't go to a gifted program anymore, the teachers at my current school uh, began to belittle me um, as if I was simply wanting to be the smartest kid in school. And really internally, uh, I felt unsafe, you know. Um, I felt demeaned and I felt like no one understood what a, a, a young kid was going through um, every How could, twi- How could they, you know, twice a week, you know, you, you were so, unique, right? And it was, you know, it's it, it, it was a very unique situation. And I look back on it now and I see it. Uh, but in it, you know, I had right. no idea. And so what I what I rationalized myself was what I reasoned was. I'm just going to do everything I can from now on to be average. Wow. I'm going to systematically be average. I'm not going to do too much so someone could recognize my abilities. Um, and I'm not going to do too little to have my mom get on my case, you know. Um, and so. Uh, in fact, I missed a part. I know this is kind of long, but this is kind of the root of this deal. But um, in fact, my homeschool brought me into their office uh, and told me I could no longer go to this school. I had to go to an all gifted school. They couldn't educate me anymore. 
And they shipped me to a school that was literally, and I'm still in elementary school, mind you, that yes, was literally, yes. literally a three and a half hour drive oh my on word. a bus. Oh my goodness. Uh, as an elementary student, I had to get up at almost four in the morning. And I, and I remember only going one day and I remember carrying a, a plastic bag with a bowl and a spoon because I hadn't even finished breakfast. And my mom said, you better bring my bowl back, <laughs> you know, uh, and it was it was the most non-normal. It was like I was in the twilight zone for those of us that know what that is, you know, um, <laughs> that I just I, I didn't understand how students were so. Volatile, they get angry for getting wrong answers, they get angry if somebody else got right answers, you know. The, the the competitive nature of the environment, I just I didn't I'd never experienced and didn't understand. And so I just made it my deal that uh, pretty much I just said these people are crazy. <laughs> Smart people are crazy. That's really what I said, you know, and I just decided I'm not going to be a crazy person. And and that literally began 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 to become. The way I began to do life was uh, with every negative thing I dealt with, um, you know, by, you know, police officers being profiled by, you know, coaches in high school. I had a high school coach. Once he saw I had a great practice, my first practice as a sophomore. This was a predominantly white school. Uh, He pulled me over, didn't know my name. And he goes, hey, kid. You know, you only need a D average to be eligible to play football. Hmm. Wow. What did you, how did you respond? Internally, it just reinforced again this 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 deal of uh, it's me against these people, if you will. Hmm. Um, and I walked away until the next day he called me back over and he said, hey, Shavers, I didn't realize you were a smart kid. Um, and, you know, I, I said to him, you didn't know because you never asked. <laughs> um, and I walked away and I never spoke to that coach again, my time playing there. Um, and so now this this to someone listening to this, they, they may think this is this sounds like, you know, the 60s or 70s. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it does. Uh, You're right. <laughs> But I'm I realize only, you're not that old. <laughs> I'm only 37 years old, you know. Uh, no, we're, we're talking 90s, you know, um, uh, in high school. And and, it, and it, it built in me this internal anger and resentment uh, to where I did everything I can on the front end to earn your respect, to seem uh, worthy of being treated fairly. But the moment that, you know, um, I was hit with this negativity, it just reinforced uh, my thinking that, you know, no one in this world can really be trusted. Uh, No one really cares about you. Um, You know, I I, I walked into an honors English class. and you know, mind you, I'm a high school student, but I have I had dreads and, and the baggy clothes. It's what 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 an inner city kid looked like. Right. And 
and I walked into the uh, honors English class, and it's an African-American teacher, female, who's teaching the class. And by the time I step foot in the door, she looks up and you can see the look on her face. And the first thing she says is, um, are you sure you have the right class? Hmm. And, and immediately, again, all of these stigmas just started. It, it You know, it took me back to second grade, you know. Right. It takes me back to 10th grade. You know, it took me back to uh, eighth grade where. Uh, two of my friends and I, we were uh, in Pop Warner, Little League football, and, and we're waiting for our coaches to pick us up after going to a carnival and uh, standing near payphones back when they still had payphones. And all we turn around to is about, you know, a dozen squad cars with polices with guns locked and aimed on us, yelling at us to get on the ground and that they're about to shoot. Uh, if we don't, you know, and one of my friends just happened to have on a trench coat. It was cold during that that time of the year. And uh, we literally were at gunpoint, um, you know, in this chaos. And we finally get on the ground, um, you know, only to be rescued, if you will, from the chief of police, the captain at the time, I think. Um, he knew us personally, but everyone else, they didn't. And find out someone had called the police and said there were three African-American males who looked like they were about to rob a gas station. Um, and what were you doing there? We were waiting for our coach to pick us up. Oh, that's right. To give us a ride home because our parents and our coaches told us to not walk home in a, in a difficult neighborhood. And it was very, it was ironic. I talk about it when I write about the irony that we almost lost our lives trying to prevent from walking through, uh, trying to stay out of trouble. We almost lost our lives that night. Um, and it was because it was three black guys. Uh, we were now profiled as potential robbers, yes, troublemakers yes. of a gas station. And the sad irony to it, too, the, the, the gentleman in the trench coat, his mom was a veteran police officer for years in the neighboring law enforcement unit. Um, you know, and so the, the very profession that his mom had done in her livelihood had, had pretty much failed him that night, you know. Yeah. Um, and so these are all of the, the, the things that become seeds of young people and often people take them and they contextualize them, if you will, situation, put them in situations, but they really become compounding deals. By the time I was a high school senior, a lot of what I had in me on the negative side was fueling this, um, this, this negative uh, energy on, um, doesn't matter how you behave, it doesn't matter what you do, uh, you know, the reality is people don't care about you. They think you're like this, so you might as well be that way. Um, but, you know, thankfully, there were positive influences as well during those times that um, fortunately for me um, ended up winning out in the end. Uh, however, unfortunately for many people, it didn't win out, you know. Um, and so those are, those are some of the 
the the challenges, you know, did I come up poor? Yes. Did we have times where we didn't have lights in the house? Yes. There were times we didn't have food on the table? Yes. But even in those dynamics, there still was love and community, you know. Um, it would be it would be things that would um, really really were an assault on your person that would would become these obstacles and hurdles. People telling you, uh, calling you things you're not. People telling you you would never, you know, be successful, or someone seeing you as a criminal, or or referring to you in a derogatory way, or you know. Telling you, you know, the the bare minimum is what you guys do. You're you're a black dumb jock athlete like most of them. So just get D D's in school and score touchdowns for us, and that's because that's what you guys do. Um, those were the things that were very very difficult to overcome. How did you deal with the emotion going the other way? You know, you are being profiled. Did you do the same thing? Did you? began to hate Caucasians? I mean, was that part of this whole scenario or no? No, it actually wasn't. Um, you know, w- one thing I try to tell people, too, that is seriously overlooked a lot. Um, you know, race is only one variable in culture. It's really a subculture, you know. And in many places, the big, the bigger culture is socioeconomic. Uh, culture. It just so happens that a lot of people that look alike live in the same situation. Right. Um, But no, um, you know, I I had white friends, Hispanic friends, close friends, you know, uh, all the way through teammates, classmates, um, you know, one of my best high school classmates, uh, you know, was, was a, was a white guy and great friend and, um, and I've shared it with people before and, and I would tell them, um, I would feel, I would feel more connected to a white kid or a Hispanic kid from South Florida who grew up in my circumstances than an African-American kid from, you know, Cincinnati. Or okay. Okay. Then, you that know, makes sense. Um, Absolutely. You know, and so when, when people hit this race thing a lot. Have to really be careful not to oversimplify, uh, you know, really what these issues and these connections are. Um, I, I would have been more apt than I was more apt to profile someone that came from a, a more wealthier neighborhood, regardless of color, than color. Um, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Considering the what you went through as a child, especially in the neighborhood that you came from. I mean, that's that's would be normal. So when at what point here did you realize or did you always realize that you had a self-motivation to become successful against all these odds? Well, you know what what was what was interesting is um, I think that innately we all have a self-motivation the question is how is it being channeled um often our self-motivation can actually be um self-destructive you know what i mean yes Um, 
but it's still it's still a driving motivator, you know. And um, initially in me, my motivation was to um, to do the best I could to make people's lives miserable. Um, who I felt made my life miserable. And what did you do to do that? You know, so for an example, if 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 a teacher profiled me, uh, I do everything I can to make their life a living hell while being in their class, while still passing their class. <laughs> um, you know, and it was just that that kind of that revenge spite mm-hmm. motivation. Of course, of course. Let's show you. Uh, it was a survival. So, it was survival, you know, right? So the 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 C in an honors class was worth it because I had an F in attitude, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, no pun intended, but you know I had an F in, in attitude, but uh, I did I did enough work that they couldn't fail me. But what they got out of me in in behavior was pretty horrible, you know. Um, and again, but it was driven by something. You know what I mean? Yes. And it it really wasn't, you know, until coaches on the other side of that, I had these coaches who were instilling in me this motivation to be great. And so there were these dual motivations happening, if you will. Um, in fact, uh, if, if I took away these, these, these coaches and these mentors, uh, I, I really don't believe, I don't even think, I mean, it's no question. I wouldn't even be here where I'm at right now. Um, uh, so you had the support around you. They they had, they, they helped me channel motive to find a different motivating um, variable and that was success that was making it that was you know you can prove to people you know that you're greater than your circumstances um, you know and I guess that's the competitive part in me um, that they really appealed to um, and it allowed me to begin to, to see um being motivated in a different light. And, you know, I'm, I'm totally indebted to them for that. That's marvelous. I mean, it, uh, there's so many emotions that you are discussing here. You know, there's so many, I'm trying to follow it with the word picture that you're drawing. And it, I mean, it's an eye opener. It definitely is an eye opener. And I appreciate that you're sharing these emotions that many of us probably didn't even realize, you know, was going on, especially in the 90s. Like you said, this is this is it's it's mind blowing that it can still be going on. So what changed? Where was where did you pivot? At what point did things change? Did you turn around or, or wasn't that until you became successful? You know, it, it, it's interesting because what what was happening, I guess, um, these two places were, you know, were these two motivations were, were kind of going, you know, parallel, if you will, in me. So I almost had these two worlds, if you will. Um, excuse me. I, I would once try to describe myself to people. I was like, I was kind of like the bully with a conscience, if you will. 
Like, <laughs> you're like, what does that mean? You know, I was like, well, I pretty much only bullied bullies. Uh, but I really bullied them really bad, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I, I was I was a person that really I was rooted in hating injustice. And it makes sense if you think about my history. Um, you know, injustice just triggered something in me that would wouldn't allow me to have rational sense of the consequences of the things that I would do, um, you know, and so. um I was told by a police officer once um, that I thought I was some young Malcolm X, you know, because at that point there was a ton of people following me behind me during this issue. And I had no idea. Uh, I was just going to deal with an issue with someone. And he, and, he, and he goes, who are all these people following you? I'm like, there's no one with me. And he turns me around and it's like 200 people behind me. <laughs> My goodness. Um, you know, and and so he and he he said to me, he said, son, you're, you're going to lead a lot of people into trouble one day. And that stuck with me, um, not in a positive way, but in, right. a, in, in, a, in a sobering way. So but to get to your, your, your question. Uh, so these two these two internal deals are, are kind of going parallel in me um, really until getting into my senior year and. And it came from and I talk about this in the the book that I'm writing now, uh, titled The Man Made Man, dealing with the, the transformational power of coaches and mentors and father figures. And it came from a short conversation, subtle uh, conversation that I had with the dad of a friend. Um, and, you know, long story short small talk in a conversation and he makes a statement that's pretty much came out of nowhere and in the statement he he says is you know you got to get you got to get your foot in the door before you can be able to let your hair down son Hmm. and when i heard that statement the the thing that immediately happened was i remember second grade being called you know the n-word i remember eighth grade you know being put down with police officers. You know, I remember 10th grade, you know, being told I needed the average from my coach, you know, uh, 11th grade with the, you know, all I heard was here's another person that don't know me. That doesn't know me. That's now, you know, trying to put me down. Um, I, I immediately thought he was referring to my style and my hair and, you know, all this stuff. Um, I left there, but that statement couldn't leave me. Like I normally just stuffed it and made it fuel for something. But for some reason, this one kind of got into my conscience, you know. Um, and I talk about it in the book that I, I said, you know, even at, at, at one point, my conscience began to turn on me and agree with, <laughs> with this individual. Right. I could see you, that. Absolutely. And, and 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 I'm literally kind of like, how how can you agree? You're me. You know, <laughs> uh, this is this is a, a senior in high school. And it just over time that it, it, it was like a span of months that I was having this internal battle with this one statement. And what I kind of got out of it was. If you continue on this path that you're on, all you're doing is closing doors. And you're not going to have anyone to blame but you. 
but I, but I had so many people to blame. You get what I'm saying? Yes, like, absolutely. And, and and so so this truth was very hard to accept. But I thank God that there was a conscious side of me that was making me pay attention to it. Um, and so I uh, did what every 18 year old high school football student, you know, athlete would do. I went and tested hypothesis, <laughs> Okay. Uh, you know, uh, totally not what every 18 year old would do. No, of course <laughs> not. So what happened? I, <laughs> what I did was I, I made a New Year's resolution. I said, I want to see. I knew I I, I, I kind of seen the landscape and realized all these doors I'd closed, you know, teachers hated me. People didn't, didn't trust me. You know, my behaviors had already been shown to be volatile. You know what I mean? And, yes. Um, and so I decided that New Year's resolution, I was going to cut my hair, take the dreads off, put the baggy clothes away, put on slacks and a polo. Um, and the first thing about this whole deal was presentation. Um, and I just wanted to see what would happen, you know. Um, and I was going to change behavior also. Um, but I'd already tried to change behavior before. And as soon as someone would let me down, it's just justification for me to go back to who I was. And so when I stepped on, on the grounds of, of the campus at, at school, um, it was just a night and day reality. Like, Teachers who who never even gave me an opportunity treated me differently because of and your I appearance. Was like, because of my appearance, and and at first I was like, well, let me see if this is just a positive feel good thing, or did I just catch them on a bad day? <laughs> um, and literally, I I was that kind of a kid, you know, where I tested it. Um, I didn't turn in work uh, before. They never gave me an opportunity not to turn work in. I didn't turn work in. Oh, I'm so I didn't get it done. And can I? Yeah, sure. Take take a couple of days. <laughs> I turned. Literally, I was my my intentions was never to turn it in. It was to see how long would they go with this. And literally, they gave me until the end of the year to get this work in, uh, and to still get credit for it, which was insane. I mean, it, that that shouldn't have happened, but what it showed me was what the what the gentleman was was trying to share with me was first show people your value and then opportunities can happen and so i wasn't dealing with a foot in the door i was dealing with shut doors you know right um, and it just it changed my mindset that uh the reality of what he was getting at was it's not about whether the world is fair or not. We had a saying in our growing up in our area, you know, is play the hand you're dealt, uh -huh. you know. And what he was referring to is, look, it's not fair. Uh, OK, does somebody look at you differently because of the way you look? Absolutely. They do. It's not about whether it's fair or not. It's about is it a reality and what are you going to do with it? Um, and once I saw that. It just opened my eyes to this ideal of you. You have the ability within you 
to influence people positively based off of your appearance, your attitude, your perception. And that could determine whether a door is shut or whether doors opened, you know, wide. And it was interesting because as that opened doors in the academic and in the sports arena, it shut doors in the community society kind of arena um, where um, that change would have made me pretty vulnerable in my at-risk community, you know? Yes. Uh, And so it was this very weird thing that, you know, they say, you know, when one door shuts, another opens kind of deal. Um, That's really what I experienced. And I realized that I could actually do this. In fact, I had been sabotaging my opportunities along the way because of all of this anger. It wouldn't allow me to see, you know, um, there are some jerk people. There are some horrible people in the world. That's just reality. Mm-hmm. But I was letting these individuals dictate my outcome. Um, Good point. And when, and when that happened, it just kind of took me in a different direction. Um you know, that allowed me to really overcome my circumstances, if you will, um, and now begin to learn how to leverage uh, who I was to get opportunities. And I started that early on. And even to this day, I, I still use some of those very core things I learned, uh, you know, testing out this this dad's theory. Um, you know, to where when people see your value, they they perceive you, treat you different. But you got to get them to see your value. Um, and that's really it's been a hallmark of, of who I am now. Um, and, and what you teach as well, probably. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, in coaching and ministry and teaching and consulting. Um you know, I, I I often find a way to insert this this thing that perception is reality to the one who perceives it. Um, and, and so don't try to. Don't try to change reality, change perception. And what are your tips along that line? I know this is a little off the subject, but as long as you brought that up, how do you suggest people go about doing that in their own in their own scenarios? Well, in a simplistic way, it's two things. One, you know, be very clear on what you want. And two, be very clear on what others are looking for. Um, and the, the, the more you can help put yourself in a position to be what others are looking for, the more it increases your opportunities to get what you want. You know, and and so you're really creating the perception or the profile, if you will, because you know, as I, I teach in my class, profiling is not a negative thing. It's a neutral thing. That's what the brain does. Uh-huh. And and people always go to the negative. You know, when when someone looks at your grades, your test scores, right, your accomplishments, they're creating a profile of you. Of course. You know, um, and, and if it's and if it's favorable, it's going to benefit you. Um you know, if if this profile is not favorable and remember, profiles are usually created from, uh, you know, past history or intense experiences 
you know. And so if you remind someone of that jerk, that jerk loser kid that they taught, (laughs) (laughs) you get what I'm saying? Yes. Um, And so don't focus on trying to change reality because reality is really in the eye of the, the beholder. You want to focus on dealing with perception. Um, what are they looking for and how do I look to them? You know, now I'm not saying lose your identity. That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is create the right kind of perception about yourself, you know, that will really dictate individuals associating and in, 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 in seeing you in, in a clear light. And so that last piece I would say was what I just said is. How do you want how do you want them to associate you with? Because we all pull from some kind of framework, you know, just just that's just how the brain's wired. You know, who can I compare this to? You get what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, And also, don't you believe that as you become more positive in your own perception of yourself, that you will attract like minded people? Well, absolutely. I think that. you know, it well, it starts there because otherwise the perception you'd be creating wouldn't be genuine. It wouldn't be authentic, you know. Um, and so it starts with having a positive perception of yourself, you know, um, because now when when you're creating this persona or this perception, if you will, of who you are, it's coming from a genuine place. People can yes. see phony. Yes. You know? Yes. That's what um, I meant. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're not saying go to go to acting school, you know, <laughs> Might uh, help though. <laughs> you know, it, 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 some people, it probably would help a lot, um, <laughs> you know, but it is it was this ideal of. I'm smart. I know I'm smart. You know, I'm a people person. I know I'm a people person. Uh, I, I, I care about people's well-being. You, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, these are the things that I want individuals to be influenced by and to create their perception of me around to profile me when 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 I go above and beyond to to care for someone or to do that extra work. The profile they're going to associate me with is the hardworking people that they know. Um, and so a, a quick Quick story about profiling, if, if I can, if I can share Absolutely. it, if that's fine. And so I was teaching one of my uh, uh, college classes on public speaking and communication, um, you know, about the value of um, being able to convey who you are and this idea of what they're looking for. If you're in an interview, you know, what is it that they're looking for? Because. You can be super awesome, but if you're not what they're looking for, then mm-hmm. who cares? And so, uh, in other words, you're trying to fit a profile. Um, so I shared with them about an interview that I had with, um, it, was, it was for a keynote speaking engagement uh, to be um, a keynote speaker for a graduation ceremony. And the previous speaker for this graduation ceremony had been horrible. Um, and so so they were they were looking to vet this thing very, very seriously. And so I go in and meet um, uh, with the gentleman that's overseeing this 
graduation and he tells me all this stuff and he goes, so tell me about yourself. Um, and one of the things I wanted to do was to share my uniqueness and who I was, so on and so forth. And so I said, well, I'm originally from upstate New York. Not most people down here from the upstate New York area. And he kind of perks up and goes, wait, I'm from upstate New York. Uh, and he asked me where from. And I go, I was born in Niagara Falls, New York. And he goes, I'm from Buffalo, New York. And literally after that, I didn't have to say anything else. <laughs> he began to create the profile. Right. I, I, I didn't say all I started saying, yeah, you know, Buffalo Bills, Jim Kelly, <laughs> Thurman Thomas. Those guys are amazing. And he had his his his, uh, his assistant or one of his, you know, um, subordinates, if you will, that was there kind of sitting in on it. And he goes. I mean, this guy can tell you how I feel about upstaters. There's just something different about them, you know. <laughs> now, I didn't say anything that I hadn't been there in, since like 1992. Or I wasn't raised there or, you know. And I, he just created me in this, in this moment to be one of the hardest working, most, you know, upstanding, down to earth people. And all I did was just go along for the ride. Yeah, that's and once he finished talking, he was like, so you'd be great for this, this, this keynote. So <laughs> we'd love to have you. He sold, all, he sold himself on you. He, did not he sold himself. <laughs> and all it was, was I was from upstate New York. Oh. And he immediately knew who I was from that point. He knew me like, well, that's he, amazing. He already, but he knew me. Yeah, and that's that, that's a perfect example of this ideal of what profiling does. Yes, it, can, yes. it can help or hurt you. It just that's depends. Right. It's just it's a natural thing the mind does to try to give itself a way of identifying how is this common? You know, that's um, a perfect example. And so and so so that's that's this idea that learning to leverage it. Um, you want people to have I mean, marketers do this all the time. You know, they want you to have positive associations with stuff. And when you do, you know, you're more likely to buy it or, or trust it or right, so on and so right. forth. So so that's what I learned from that whole experience as early as a senior in high school. Um, you know, I was I was a unique kind of person. You know, I was married at 18 as a senior in high school. And uh, we're about to celebrate 20 years now. Really? Uh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So I was thinking about things as an 18 year old that probably most 18 year olds weren't thinking. So. So that part was so big of learning that. The perception you create often determines whether someone closes the door on you or they do everything they can. To open doors for you. Um, and I began to. Express and be the kind of individual that the perception others had of me was they wanted to help me. Uh, they wanted to do everything they could to see me succeed um, and, and to give me opportunity. And that became a blessing. And it's been it's been a, a huge thing of what I teach, pass on, you know, and, and share with those who will listen. Well, we have covered a lot of area, even though we haven't really even talked about some of your accomplishments or your books, this is probably going to have to go into a two-parter. <laughs> well, 
It's sounds been... like a date. <laughs> now, one thing I did want to ask you that you put in uh, your email to me, and that was when I asked you what your desire is, what your goal is, and that was that people understand the power that they have to influence the course and direction of someone else's journey. Would you say that this is along the lines of what you were just talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that was, you know, and, and, and you know, and that was one of many of the key areas that individuals have uh, spoken to have been a part of my life that was the reason is the reason really why I'm where I am now. Um, and often, again, because we're just so used to dealing with time in a very uh, isolated, um, you know, framework that we don't really understand the ripple effect or the, uh, you know, long term influence that if you're really intentional about being significant in someone's life, you can change the course of their direction. Um, you know, and so I think it's something for me that uh, I've, I've shared it with people. You know, I said it's almost like a, 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 re- a time release capsule. You know, it was like one day I woke up and I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm everybody who was in my life. <laughs> you know. <laughs> What a realization. Like, like I had no intention. My intention was to own a sports team still is at some point, um, you know, and to run and own a sports team by the time I was 37 or 38. Well, I ended up being a teacher, a minister, a coach, a mentor. All of these were the exact individuals that poured into my life when I was young. Interesting. And I turned out to be all of them. And I was like, they tricked me, you know, (laughs) Uh, and that's kind of when I realized the formula works like it. The system works if if, you know, reaping and sowing works, the principle works. It's, you know, give it time and and it'll 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 become what it's, you know, but you just got to stay at it. And. And literally it almost was almost like unconsciously, then it just a light switch you know, hit and I literally became the very individuals who developed me. Um, and it was when I had that aha moment, it was it was such a weird and um, satisfying experience at the same time. Like, how is that even possible? You know, and yet but you it lived the, it. It was the, exactly it was the power of the impact, you know. Um, so uh, that's a part of what you know, I do now is they don't know it. Even often when I'm dealing with young people or or a client, they have no idea. I'm trying to change the course of their life uh, every time I engage with them um, because I know it works. Um, and, and, and so I'm, I'm intentional about pretty much every moment um, because I know that it's not an isolated deal. It's, it's a puzzle piece of a bigger picture of what their lives are going to uh, turn out to be. And I've already seen the benefits of that with, uh, you know, individuals who are now coaches or speakers or work in similar fields or even just are great dads. And a lot of it is really, you know, they'll attribute it to impact that I've been fortunate to have in their lives. 
That's phenomenal. I mean, this has been so enlightening on so many different levels. Dr. Tommy Shavers, you are unique individual. I'm sure you've been told that many times as you were talking. (laughs) (laughs) Unique isn't necessarily a good thing, right? (laughs) Well, go either way. (laughs) As you were talking, what it was reminded me of in doing your research when you were uh, 17 years old, I believe it was, it sounds like it was a thesis that you were writing for your uh, degree. Did you use that? No, it's interesting. Um, I, uh, I, I, I didn't, but what I, I did do was, um, you know, something, something similar. It had to do with, uh, you know, how outside environmental influences can affect a person's behavior, you know. Um, and, and so uh, it had it had its roots in it. Right. Um, you now, know. when you um, when you are in your consulting and um, your well, I guess more consulting or coaching, do you share your story or is this something that you normally don't do? Um. I, I do um, when it's beneficial. Okay. Um, uh, you know, my athletes I coach, they're they're so funny. They they think I'm so crazy, and then they realize that every single thing I do is strategic and intentional. Uh, you know, and and so um, so in the situations where it can have benefit to explicitly share it, I do. Um, it doesn't have that in every situation. Sometimes people don't want to hear your story. Okay, um, fair enough. But the beauty of it, though, is uh, unconsciously, they don't really know they're living it, though. Like, I don't have to tell you the story. I just have to be the byproduct yes, of what yes, it was. Yes, yes, yes. You know? Good point. Um, and, and, and so I get them either way. Either way, they're trapped, <laughs> you know? Uh, either I'm going to tell you this story or you're going to live it, you know? Um, so, so it just depends, but either way, I, I use the this deal that the system works, the formula works. If you pour into people um, at a, at a unique at at a level of 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 care and passion, I mean, our minds are wired to crave this stuff. Um, that it it gives you power to influence the way they think the way they develop and the way they act. Um, and I, I use it intentionally because I want to have a huge influence on seeing people's lives always um, be projecting in, in the up direction, if you will. Um, and so I, I tell people I have an agenda. It's just they have a hard time <laughs> figuring it out. It's a hidden one. A hidden agenda. You know, yeah, it, it's a it's a clear agenda. <laughs> and um, well, be, and it's simply because I just want to see the best in, in individuals and in people. Um, well, you're, you're so definitely your heart that, shows through that, that you're that is your passion. No question. No question. Uh, seeing people be successful, seeing people um, overcome obstacles. Um, but the biggest the biggest part of what makes it pass, you know, makes it worthwhile is seeing when they capture it as their own, you know, um, 
because now you now you're getting to a place where you're develop beginning to develop mastery of it, and now you can apply it to someone else's life. Um, that's when it's awesome, you know. And so, I I, I live for those those deals. So my my two boys, um, you know, they're probably not getting the lifestyle as what a traditional dad would be to a son. That's fine. Uh, you know, I intentionally want, we homeschool both of our, our boys. Um, How old are they? I have a 12 year old and a four year old. Um, the, the 12 year old is the brains of the operation. Um, the four year old is the muscle. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and so they're, you know, awesome and unique and, um, you know, our, my wife and I's rationale is we have six college degrees in this house between the two of us. If we can't educate these kids, something went wrong in our education. <laughs> no uh, kidding. <laughs> you know, something went way wrong. Um, Do you plan but, homeschooling them throughout their their school or throughout high school? Well, we, we we do simply because of the philosophy that I have. I mean, you know, if, if I can be the personal coach to every kid uh, that I coach athletically, I would. Um, you know, if, if I could be the exclusive consultant to, you know, an organization, uh, I would simply because just to be frank, I have the utmost confidence in the ability to knowledge and experiences that I've had, um, that to pour into someone to develop them to being successful. And so it, it's at a whole nother level when it's, when it's my children, you know, I'm like, of course, you know. Uh, if anybody's going to get this stuff, <laughs> they better, uh, huh? <laughs> they're going to, they're going to, they're going to get it, you know? And so we have a high premium on personal development, um, you know, and, and I'm a very independent thinker. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not one that usually goes with the norm, but in, in this deal, uh, we, we, we hold to some traditional values of mom and dad are, are the first teachers you know, coaches, developers. Um, and if we're not doing it, how can we expect someone else to do it? So that's right. Very well put. So you got me talking about my kids now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't get a chance, like I said, to talk about uh, some of these other things. What I'm going to do, though, on on the posts that I'm going to be making up for this show, we'll have all that information on there, including your books and uh, your contact information. Um, I think that that will uh, hopefully be a drawing factor as well because you have so much to share. Now, what I want to hear today to close up is your call to action. What well, would you? If since you give me the floor, uh, really, what 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 I would um, want to leave someone with, you know, listener who's listening to this, um, is one to 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 embrace the reality that we were made communal people we need people um and to find individuals who can speak into your life in a positive way um and let them uh because it's such a needed deal oftentimes we we we're not at the capacity to believe in ourselves until we've experienced someone else believing in us, um, especially for a younger individual. 
Um, and so I would start there. And the, the second thing is, is to test out my hypothesis, test out my theory, mm. um, put it into practice, uh, see if it works. Um, I'm, 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 I'm confident that it will, uh, because again, that's how we're wired. We may be all different people, but the internal wiring, um, pretty much looks the same. Unfortunately for some, it's true. Um, and so that would be that those would be my things and, and watch the benefits, watch the personal benefits, the relational benefits, the professional benefits, the, the, the outcomes are, 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 you know, are almost, I don't want to say the possibilities are endless to be cliche, but I think they'll begin to get an idea of how significant being able to leverage your own perception um, can be in creating a world of success and opportunities. And so uh, those are the things that I encourage, um, you know, please get an opportunity if you uh, can to, uh, you know, look up some of the things that I've written. I'm a very eclectic person. I, I'm about leadership development for the most part. Um, but uh, depending on what day it is or de- depending on what I'm writing about. So there's. A, yeah, well, there's we'll, a make, we'll put all those links there. on there, so, you know, so that people can have know. the opportunity to, to certainly do that. But, that's wonderful. Yeah. So but that's another conversation for another time. But yes. I really want to encourage people take take what you hear and put it into practice. And, you know, let it become a validation for yourself. Dr. Tommy Shavers, it has been a unique privilege, if I can use that term loosely. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) And I I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I appreciate your your patience in being able to get me on. It's, It's been great. I really appreciate it. We're the ones that are appreciated. It's a two-way street, most definitely. You have said so much that there is nothing really that I can say to tie this up because you have really given me a lot of notes, and I hope that I can get as many of those up on the website as possible. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. You spoke directly to me, and I'm sure you spoke directly to many of my listeners. So again, Dr. Shavers, we thank you. We look forward to doing this again, and thank you. Girl, thank you so much. I appreciate it and would love to uh, connect and, and have an opportunity anytime. Thanks so much. appreciate it. Goodbye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.